0: Amen. How good was that? Thank you. God's love is strong love. It's powerful. It transforms lives. Makes us, saves us from a godless eternity into an eternal kingdom where he reigns. We have so much to be thankful for. God is amazing. We're now going to come into our time where we hear God's word read and preached to us. So let me pray for us at this time. Father, our God, we've just been reminded of your love, how strong it is. You are so good. Lord, you love us so much. And that you desired for us to be with you forever, so you made a way through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, you've given us your word that we can hear, that is powerful, where we learn of your love and where we can be transformed to be more like you and be given that awesome hope that we have of our future. So no matter what we go through here in life, we can hold on to that great hope that we have because of your love. So as we hear the word read and preached to us this morning, please prepare our hearts. Open our hearts to receive your message. Change us, encourage us to live for your glory all the more. Amen.
1: There are three Bible readings this morning. The first one comes from the Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 3 to 13. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the doze of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. The second reading is from... Chapter 8, verses 5 to 7. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labour gave you birth. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Then from Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 to 9. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God.
2: Well, uh, great to see you all this morning. We're thinking about love today. We're thinking about love today. We're in this series on wisdom from God's Word, the Old Testament wisdom books that are so rich and relevant for us today. But today we're thinking about love. Of course, there are many forms of love, but we're thinking particularly about romantic love, what, what wisdom the Bible has to offer us about how we can love well, how we can love well. So where are you going to go this year for wisdom? Wisdom. In love, where will you go in 2022 for wisdom in love? Uh, there's lots of options. Uh, I turned back to my usual source of wisdom in preparing this, and I was, to be honest, I was a little let down by my old friend Snoopy. So uh, here's, here's Snoopy's advice to you. He writes a letter, dear sweetheart. I think of you night and day. You are more precious to me than anything in the world. Charlie Brown comes out and says, supper time, and. Uh, Throw away the letter. (laughs) Suffer time is all that he thinks about. Uh, Food is much more important than love for Snoopy. Or or, next one, dearest darling, how I love you. Words cannot tell how much I love you, so forget it. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Probably not the best example of romantic love. But where will you turn for wisdom? Uh, Either for a relationship you're already in, a relationship you'd like to be in, We've seen along the way in this series that the Bible holds out the promise of true wisdom, living in line with the grain of the universe. The problem is, we saw this in the first week, the problem is we can't find that on our own. We're not able to find that on our own. Uh, True wisdom is something we can't achieve in our own strength, it's only something that we need to humbly receive from the one who created us. It's something that has to be given to us, revealed to us by God, not something that we look inside ourselves to find or out to other people to find. But the great news is that that is exactly what God has done in his word. And when it comes to to romantic intimacy and love, the really surprising thing is that the Bible has a whole book devoted to it. Um, it's known as the Song of Songs, or perhaps you know it as the Song of Solomon. It's this rich, poetic celebration of romantic love. Now, before we dive into this song, obviously it's just a quick overview today. Uh, before we dive in, though, uh, there are a few reasons why you might be feeling a little nervous right now. Uh, maybe you just feel awkward about the whole topic, which is very understandable, uh, Think about the guy who has to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, But maybe it's more than that for you. Maybe it's more than that for you. Uh, This song paints this kind of idealised picture of this young couple deeply in love. And there's this intensity and purity about it that can be kind of hard to look at. Um, Some of us very much want this kind of relationship but have not been given it. Some of us have lost this kind of relationship and are grieving that loss. Some of us have been badly hurt by past relationships and it can just be really hard to engage with this seemingly blissful couple. Some of us have experiences and desires that don't line up with God's good design that this song celebrates of a man and a woman bound together in lifelong covenant faithful marriage. Others of us are in a relationship that just doesn't match up with what we see here. And at some level, that's everyone who's married. Um, None of us match up to this. So I'm assuming that each of us here today are going to find this book a difficult book on some level, a challenging book to hear and to read. But I want to urge you, please, (laughs) all of us today, I want to urge you to persevere with this song Uh, There's a lot of potential for discomfort for us as we hear it, but given all of that, the Song of Songs remains a wonderful gift for all of God's people. It remains a wonderful gift for you. Uh, It gives us wisdom that we really need, we really need wisdom so that we can promote and experience relationships that flourish as God intended them to. Uh, But there's more than that, too. It's not just the wisdom it gives. The song itself points us beyond the love of these these two young lovers. It points us beyond that love. It points us to a far brighter and more lasting love, a perfect love that is held out to every person, Uh, no matter your history, no matter your hurts. It points us to a love that can transform you from the inside out one writer puts it like this the song of songs is there to stop love going out of our relationships with god and with one another it is a splendid garment to be worn not with awkwardness and embarrassment but festively with joy and deep thankfulness to to him who gave it to us as holy scripture so we're going to dive into this song in that, in that spirit with those acknowledgements being made. But I want to highlight five aspects of love that we find in this song uh, that by God's grace will help to make us wise in love as we head into this year. Uh, the first and most fundamental thing about this song as you read, read along, is and not just this song but the Bible as a whole, is that it's deeply positive about the goodness of love. Uh, Christians haven't always got this right. Uh, we've, uh, sometimes it's been communicated that when it comes to sex and romance, the Bible's message is basically no. <laughs> uh, at best, it's kind of a necessary evil. But the Song of Songs won't let us hold to that. Um, God's word on romantic love is overwhelmingly yes. Uh, there is a gracious no that we need to hear, and we'll, we'll see that as we read through the song. There is a gracious no that we need to hear. But the accent falls on God's yes. And you see that right from the very beginning of the Bible, actually. The opening chapters of Genesis, God creates this world as good, it's good, it's good. Uh, But then something comes along that's not just good, it's very good. God creates people in his image. This complementary pairing of male and female to be fruitful and fill the earth and rule over it. Uh, it sets up this pattern of human relationships created by God, uh, of a man and a woman leaving their parents and becoming one together in marriage. And, and then you get to the Song of Songs, and it's like this—it's this overflowing celebration of what you see in those opening chapters of Genesis. Uh, most of the song pictures this young couple before they're married and sort of anticipating the, their marriage. Uh, most of this, uh, and, and it's, it's on the and anticipating their relationship, uh, the young woman is the main character of the song, and she begins the song like this, verse two she says, "Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. let me t- uh, take me away with you, let us hurry. let the king." Bring me into his chambers. And you keep reading and you see this in this song a picture of mutual delights in one another. Uh, it, what we just read, it's, you know, it's, the, it's the woman who took initiative there, who seeks out her beloved. In other places, uh, what we read in chapter 2, it's the man who um, speaks and invites love. There's no sense here of one partner being dominated by the other or coercing the other or using the other for their own satisfaction, there's this repeated phrase through it um, that gets repeated a number of times, that the woman sings. Now, the first time is in chapter 2, verse 16, my beloved is mine and I am his. It's this beautiful and life-giving song. It's, it's, much, it's a much richer and more beautiful song than the songs of our world, I think, The songs of our world basically say, my beloved is mine, and I'm mine also. (laughs) Uh, The wisdom of this world says, take what you can to satisfy your own individual happiness. The wisdom of this song invites you to imagine something far better. The goodness of love as God designed it. Of this man and woman, both freely moving toward each other. Not in self-serving ways, but in exclusive Mutual love and honour and delight. It is a beautiful melody. So friends, perhaps you're married with us today and, yeah, and you, you know that your relationship has just grown cold. Uh, all marriages go through seasons. <laughs> As, and we're not talking about the kind of extreme situations of neglect or abuse or infidelity, which need their own response and if you are experiencing them, please talk to a, a trusted Christian friend. Talk to me about it. I'm not talking about those extreme situations, but all marriages go through dry patches. Perhaps tenderness and affection has grown cold. Perhaps resentments or frustrations have taken root and created just a kind of distance between you that you feel gets highlighted by the closeness of this couple we're reading about. This, this song is God's word to you. It is a beautiful melody to keep coming back to and singing along to. It is God's gift to warm up the fires of your marriage again and to keep those fires lit. Friends, God's people should be the best lovers. <laughs> so I want to say let their... Let there be weddings and kisses and hand-holding and flower-buying and love-making. This is good and pleases our God and creator. Perhaps you're unmarried and you want to be married. Uh, What this song says to you is that that is a natural and good desire. And if in God's timing and according to his good design, you're given someone who you can share this mutual love with, Then that is good. Receive it thankfully and under God's smile. But of course, it would have been much more straightforward uh, to have a word from God that just said, okay, look, love is good. Enjoy it the way I designed it. Here's a checklist of things to do each day for your spouse. Done. Uh, You know, it would have been a much shorter book. Uh, (laughs) Why have we given this song? This long, twisting, complex poem. What's going on there? I think, actually, the form that the book comes to us in, it's actually an important part of it. It's wisdom to us. There is a poetry to love. It's important for us to be sensitive to. Uh, this, this song teaches us, but it doesn't teach us through giving us a list of instructions. It teaches us by kind of tuning our ear, tuning our hearts to the music of this young love. So that we can then sing in tune with it in our own relationships, Uh, and these these young lovers they use poetic images to praise each other. We've already heard from the woman in chapter one talking to her beloved. Uh, She uses these royal imagery. She she says in verse four, "Let the king bring me into his chambers." If you remember, we looked at that at uh, at the start. There's some debate about whether um, the actual king Solomon is talked about there. Solomon's named in the book. It's in verse 1 and sort of throughout. I think it's actually, though, better to read it as this woman is using the imagery of a king to praise her man. Uh, We later find out that he's just a simple shepherd boy. He's not a king. But love lifts up this humble country couple. It elevates their view of each other so that to her, he is a king. Uh, And the man uses imagery and poetry too. You get these long lists through the song. Uh, It's like like they're taking an inventory of each other. They use images that would have had more meaning in their culture. So in chapter 4, the farm boy sings this. "'How beautiful you are, my darling, oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them is alone.' Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Now, fellas, I don't know if you've ever told a lady that her forehead looks like a pomegranate. Uh, I'm guessing it's probably not the best idea in our situation today. But (laughs) you get the point right. The point is, we're not supposed to take this literally. Otherwise, you end up with something like this. Can we go to the next slide? Is that one in there? We've got a. There we go. Here's a, uh, a literal interpretation of the, the man's description of his woman in Song of Songs. It's hideous. <laughs> but that's not the point, right? That's not the point to take it literally. He's using metaphors and images. He's taking something he knows from his own world, something good in his own world, and applying it to his beloved, his, his girl. But notice he does speak to his, his lover, He does speak. They both do. They both speak to one another. They look for creative ways to fill each other up. And those of us who are married, this is important. How are you with your words to your spouse? Are they primarily words of frustration or criticism? Now, now we can't always be gushing about each other like you're reading this song. That's not the point, (laughs) or realistic. But is this kind of creative genuine praise of your husband or your wife a part of your relationship you you might not feel like you're particularly good with words you don't have to be a poet but it's still important to actually communicate your love in words in your own way and to keep doing that okay so love is good there's a poetry to it but this song also knows there's a dark side to love uh, the song itself tells a bit of a story, so this couple are looking forward to their wedding, they, uh, um, they call to each other, they, they lose each other, and then they find each other. It seems that by the end in chapter 8, the, it seems like the wedding has already happened and their love is consummated. But all along the way, there's this dark thread, this, this threat to their love. It's like a recognition that their love has taken place in a broken and fallen world. In chapter one, you read about this woman's brothers who treat her harshly and force her to, to do hard work in the sun, so she's not able to take care of herself like as she would like to as she'd like to. Uh, and then you get these dreams through the book. In chapter five, the girl dreams and you get this sense of real unmet longings. She dreams of her farm boy who has walked through the rain to her door. She hears him knocking and goes to the door, but in verse six. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. And then things get even darker as you keep reading through this dream that she has. It it sort of turns out to be a nightmare. She goes looking for her beloved. In verse 7, the watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. If you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. See, this song knows that love takes place in a broken and fallen world where there are all kinds of threats and insecurities and hurts. But through all of this... There's this repeated refrain throughout the song. And it captures a key part of the wisdom that this song gives to us about how we can live wisely in this fallen world, how we can love wisely in a broken and threatening world. Uh, It came up today in the reading in in chapter 2. verse. It comes up again in chapter 3 and then in chapter 8. It's the word of this young woman to her group of friends who are around her, and to all the other single women who are in Jerusalem, as they look on. She says this, in chapter two, verse seven. She says, Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the fields, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. It's this solemn charge that she gives to her friends. Love is so powerful and so potentially dangerous, that it's wise to approach it with a kind of caution and patience, to consciously keep yourself from arousing or awakening love before it's right time, before you're joined in marriage. I think this is especially relevant to our young people with us today. Uh, It's especially relevant to you. Uh, You live in a world that is intense on arousing and awakening your love before the right time, before its time, outside of its God-given boundaries. Uh, Whether it's what's portrayed as normal on the latest Netflix series or the movie you're watching uh, or whatever you're taught at school or any other kind of places, increasingly young people are having their expectations and assumptions about love uh, shaped by pornography, which is having long-lasting and tragic effects on our society. So if you're um, a young person here today, if you're going to live wisely in God's way, you are going to be swimming against the tide. And you need to be prepared for that. You're going to be making decisions that your friends who don't know Jesus think are just crazy. Uh, You're going to be saying no to things that they just dive into, and you'll probably be, be made fun of for doing that. And here's what you need to know if you're going to do that, to live wisely in God's world. Here's what you need to know. You need to know that God's wisdom is not only true, but that it's good and beautiful. That you're only saying no to these things because really you're saying yes to something far better. Far better. And the Song of Songs is here to fire your imagination for that kind of relationship A relationship of purity and passion within God's good design. It's there to help you wait. To help you not rush into the confused versions of love that are promoted in our world. But to wait for the security and intimacy of a Christ-centered marriage. Okay, but there's wisdom here for everyone though, isn't there? Not just those who are young. Whatever your situation whether you're married or unmarried, young or old, whatever you, it's possible for all of us to awaken love outside of its true home, to intentionally arouse desire outside of a marriage relationship, whether in your imagination or actually in pursuing intimacy with someone you're not married to. And the song leaves us with this good, repeated wisdom. It's given for our good not to burden us but so that we might live in line with the grain not against it, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Which of course means when the time is right, then love should be awakened, aroused and sustained in a loving relationship of husband and wife. That is God's wisdom for you. But I want to finish by saying it's, it's not his condemnation of you. This is his wisdom for you. But it's not his condemnation of you. See, we have all been fools in this area. We've all been fools. We've lived against the grain. And maybe today God has provoked your conscience in some way, shown you some way that you have been pursuing love against the grain of his creation. But whatever your situation, whatever your past... The invitation for you today is for a fresh start, to entrust yourself again to God and to His wisdom. You see, this song that we're briefly touching on today, it turns out to be just one verse in a much larger symphony, a far greater love song, even than this Song of Songs. You get a hint of that larger symphony in the Song of Songs itself. Uh, There's only one very veiled reference to God in this whole book. It comes in chapter 8. We had it read. You wouldn't have heard God's name in the translation that we had read out. It says this in verse 6, Love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Now, if you're reading this in your Bible... Maybe you can see a bit of a footnote there, or maybe you have a different translation that has something else. Uh, if you have a little footnote, you'll read that it could, be, it could just as easily be translated uh, the end there. It burns like a blazing fire, like the very flame of the Lord, the very flame of Yahweh. It's this really subtle, but I think, totally intentional hint that there is a love behind the love of this young couple. A love that is hotter than their love. A love that is purer than their love. A love that is stronger and more unquenchable. A love that is more precious than any other. And, friends, in the light of the whole Bible, we can see that this love is not just as strong as death, it's stronger than death. It's a love that is eternal, that is utterly faithful, that is completely self giving. It's a love that knows you all the way down, every part of you. It knows all of your insecurities and sins and fears and forgives you and loves you still. It is the jealous and transforming love of God that has been poured out on us in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour and King. See, in this big picture of the Bible, that love turns out actually to be the real marriage, the marriage that our human marriages are flickering reflections of, the marriage that all of Christ's people are destined for. That's what we read at the end of the Bible story in Revelation 19 that was read out for us, this great picture of the ultimate and eternal wedding feast of the Lamb of Jesus. Well, friends, uh, what does this mean for us? (laughs) What does this all mean? Um, I have three quick things. Hopefully they're quick. Uh, Three quick things. Firstly is, there is always a fresh start with Jesus. There's always a fresh start with Jesus. You will never get to a point when you can't humbly come to him, ask his forgiveness, ask his help to live in his way, in his world. Because if you're his, if you're trusting in him, he loves you with a deeper and more lasting love, even than the couple in this song. If you haven't come to him yet, that is what is freely offered to you, a fresh start, a relationship with the king of the universe, where you are both fully known and fully loved forever. Uh, throughout the Song of Songs, the couple called to each other, inviting each other into their love but God calls too. Uh, in, that, in that final, ultimate wedding scene in the end of Revelation, we read this. Chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. There is always a fresh start with Jesus. Two more quick points. (laughs) Secondly, I want to uh, speak just quickly, directly to those who are married. Those who are married. It's important for us as we reflect on this song to know that God's gift of marriage is not an end in itself. In this bigger picture that we're reading the song in. uh, When the Apostle Paul talks about husbands and wives in Ephesians, he says, he's talking about, it's a mystery. But what he's really talking about is Christ and the church. Uh, your marriage will flourish as it's meant to when it doesn't become an idol or something that you're kind of grasping hold of to fulfill you your marriage will flourish as it's meant to when it becomes more and more a picture of the gospel a living model of the beautiful relationship between Jesus and his bride for all the world to see and thirdly to those who are not married And I want to encourage you with this. Uh, Human marriages, they do proclaim, as we've just seen, marriages proclaim the shape of the gospel. But while human marriages do that, they proclaim the, the shape of Christ and his church, singleness proclaims the sufficiency of the gospel. So this song and the teaching of the Bible invites you to gladly receive God's gift of marriage in its right time but not to put your identity and hope in human love as the thing that will ultimately fulfill you. It won't. But Jesus will. Jesus will. And if in God's sovereign wisdom you are not given that gift now, you will certainly not miss out on the true and real and ultimate marriage That is the destiny of everyone who is in Christ. That's the marriage where all of us together will sing, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Let me pray for us. Oh, God, we've touched on some very personal and deep things this morning. But we've heard from your word of the goodness of love. Uh, We've reflected on its poetry, on the dark side of love, um, the wisdom that you give us in love, and this great fulfillment of all love in this wedding of Jesus and his church. Our Father, please help us to live in line with this wonderful vision, this great song. Uh, Lord, for all of us, whatever we're struggling with at this moment, uh, please minister to us by your Spirit and through your Word, so that we might live more and more to the praise of your glory and be a shining light of your great love in this world. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.